Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guests, plural, this week are Andreas Zeitler and Sven Feschner uh, from Germany. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing, doing great. great. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having us. It's a great opportunity to be on your show. I, I, I usually introduce guests by what they do, but <laughs> I just introduced <laughs> you as from Germany. So yeah. tell, tell well, us what, what together you guys do a podcast. What's that one called? That is, that is correct. We are doing a podcast called Der Übercast, but... As you might call, as you probably better call it in English, it's called their Ubercast. Which would mean, Ubercast. isn't Uber like over or above? Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's and sort that's, of, and that's I think, I think when we invented the name, it was the, the big days of everything being called Uber. <laughs> and um, remember a lot of my American friends and, and colleagues sort of, you know, using Uber a lot. And it's very funny for a German because, you know, obviously a German um, uh, German word. So we thought, you know, well, let's do this uh, do this podcast. How do we call it? The uh, Ubercast. So that was born and we, we took it uh, a little literal. So we have a aircraft sort of airline theme to it. So if you look at the website, the ubercast.com or our logo is all sort of a little bit of vintage um, air travel theme. Um, and yeah, we don't nearly really call ourselves co-hosts. We call ourselves co-pilots. Although the actual podcast has nothing to do with flying, by the way. So it's just <laughs> an aesthetic theme. All right. Um, and then what, what's, your, uh, what's your topic what do you guys cover on their Ubercast? So we cover a lot, a lot of topics in, in the technology realm, but we also go more into like, um, like recently we, we've been talking about productivity and where, where productivity is kind of heading and where it's coming from. That was a topic uh, suggested by Sven actually. Mm. And so while we keep our focus on the technology side of things and also like more on the Apple technology side of things, we also go into other topics like uh, exercising, um, ergonomical working and that kind of stuff uh, too. Yeah, I think it's really, you know, if, if I look at some, some of the stuff that we got from our listeners and uh, some of the uh, reviews we got uh, some say is nearly sort of technology with a comedy twist so it's um, always quite funny on um, on our podcast a lot of laughing going on um, the third <laughs> yes. one um, rolling with us who's not with us today otherwise this would be very complicated here with uh, three <laughs> guests Petra uh, Brett that that is actually Patrick uh, Velka so um, he's sort of an ergonomic um, fashionista um, he's all about his keyboards he is you know I, I don't know how totally many about his keyboard. <laughs> don't, know, yes. don't know how many episodes we uh, spend talking about different keyboards and different keyboard layouts and how to make it ergonomic yes. so it's sort of uh, everything of, of all kinds. So we don't go really deep. Um, so we're sort of, you know, uh, we don't know nothing really well, but we know enough to be dangerous so, or enough to just talk about. Um, so it's all, yes. always sort of technology, personal productivity, everything that matters in life and, and stuff that's fun. So that's, is that a good summary, that, Andreas? That seems like a good summary that's, to me. 
Yes. Do you um is is your podcast primarily in German or English? <laughs> it's funny because I I guess you know when you talk about technology, every third word you use is English. Um, yes. But no, it's, <laughs> it's it, true. It's a German podcast, which. Uh, you know, we decided at the time, and I think both Andreas and I are following a lot of um, podca uh, podcasts from the U.S., and, and we thought, you know, right. what do we do, right? We want to do a podcast. Are we going to do, like, the seventh Apple technology <laughs> podcast in English? Seventh um, would, be, right. would be conservative. But yeah, yeah, I guess so. Totally so we thought is. we'll do something for the for the German podcast market, um, which is very different, right, Andreas? So I think uh, it all also sort of is a lot, loss, a lot less mature um, than the U.S. Uh, market in terms of podcasting. And Andreas spends a lot of time in, in media productions and, and the like, so he has a very good view on the, the German podcast market. Right. And, and right at the time when Sven and I got together, we were, as you just said, we were talking about whether we do it in English or in, in German, and there were just such a, a huge amount of English-speaking podcasts but not a lot of German ones that are actually very good because in the, in the conversations we had, we never were able to come up with at least three names of German podcasts that we like, that we want to emulate or, or imitate rather. And so it was kind of, do we really want to go the English way or do we want to go the German uh, route with our podcast and so we just went with German and it didn't hurt us. So how has the response been in Germany then or among German speaking listeners? I guess you got to yeah. look at the size of the market, right? So we we can primarily address Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Um it's it's if if you look at it Germany is a 81 million um people country. Um, of which, you know, I guess um, about 10%. 80 million about yeah. her, hear us. Yeah, about <laughs> 79 million actually hear us um, <laughs> every second week. Um, no, so the uh, so I guess 10% know what a podcast actually is. 5% really, uh, you know, regularly listen to one. And if you look at the German podcast market, um, it is very dominated by um, actually big media companies. Uh, so um, sure. similar to, to NPR, I guess, um, in, in the US, so lots of our um, um, uh, radio stations and television stations run professional podcasts for some of their uh, formats, and they dominate the charts. And then you have a very few indie podcasts um, amongst we are um, in, and, and I think we have a good response. We have a, 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 a solid yeah. listener base, but it's nowhere at the scale, you know, that from the U.S. Uh, market. So not comparable, really. Very intimate little, you know, we know uh, every other listener by name, I guess. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so I have an oddball question for you. Having sure. having grown up in Germany, I'm sure you're familiar with German history better than Americans are. And we're seeing uh, a populist author authoritarian rise in our politics right now. Right. <laughs> what advice what what advice would you give to the American people to avoid having a dictator come to power? <laughs> wow, this uh this is a, that this took a turn, a right? Big question. 
that, that, that was totally Uber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andreas, you go first. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, so I think what what you want to hear or what you're asking is um, like, where is America heading in terms of politics? And what I've seen, like since Trump has been elected as president, is that we again have a lot of young voters who were against Trump and a lot of uh, older voters who were uh, who, who voted for Trump. And so we've got a, a split going on from from the from the age perspective, like the younger people voted against and the other voted for him. But there's also um, probably with with age is um, like the feel of few younger people don't have that view on on the world that Trump actually represents, I think. And so what I've what I've also seen is that people are very fearful of the future what is going to happen and what might be happening. Uh, and I've read an article else uh, recently um, from a historian and he basically his point was that in, 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 in the history, when you're studying history, you're seeing, uh, you see patterns like how certain people uh, came like to rule other countries and, and how wars, how wars, were uh, were started and his point is basically that right now looking at the entire world we see a new era of war coming and that we should be careful of the next couple of years um, what might be happening so I think actually I, I think <laughs> uh, America is heading that kind of if we if you are going to have a war, uh, I don't think America or Americans will be in the in the hmm, in the losing. Uh, so then that's a pretty dramatic picture. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is so, yes. So, but I, if you read that article, you would be of the same opinion. Yeah, I guarantee. You. I already am so, of that opinion. So, so I guess, uh, you know, on the one hand side, certainly there's um, historical parallels, not necessarily with the Third Reich, uh, but if you look back in the no. 1928 uh, with the start of the Great Recession um, and you look at some of the the current mechanics, uh, both economically as well as socially, there's a lot of parallels um, between that, both in the US but also in, the Euro in, in Europe. What, um, you know, the advice would be is obviously, you know, the... The, the the four years term that um, you know Mr. Trump is is, is starting uh, in January is when opposition and when the when the next preparation of the next election starts uh, for the remainder of those that have uh, different views and different values um, protecting your constitutional rights uh, for freedom of speech supporting um, quality press uh, not uh, you know propaganda or tabloid uh, press. And sometimes when you look at things like Fox News, you think, not sure how sort of neutral their um, their view <laughs> of the world is. <coughs> um, I can answer that. Yeah. It's not. 
<laughs> so um, I think that's that's really you know support uh, freedom of speech, uh, free press. But at the same time, I think we need to realize all of those that that have liberal values, that have democratic values. Um, you know, we might have locked ourselves into a little bit of a, our our own reality, and we have forgotten that there's many, many, many people out there that um, you know have a different reality, that have a different view of the world. Whether we, you know, I think is it to us to judge whether this is the the right or the wrong view? I guess it's just just a different view, and and I think now the pendulum is swinging. Um, that those those opinions get get a little louder because honestly, some of our you know the liberal opinion and voices, they are busy you know being at the tennis club or the the golf club rather than go voting, which is the biggest problem ultimately because I think Hillary Clinton had the lowest turnup of Democratic voters in the last eight elections from uh, the articles I've read, so she just didn't get the people mobilized. And the result is that uh, what was it? You know, forty below fifty percent is that right, Brett? Of 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 U.S. Uh, citizens or people that are allowed to vote actually voted, and Trump won that uh, on electoral piece, which makes like less of a third of uh, of a fourth. Sorry, of a fourth of the American people actually elected him. Right? Is is that roughly it, correct? It, yeah, it was. It was about the mm -hmm. same actually as. A little less, but about the same as Obama's second election. Okay. Um, and she has actually, as late votes come in, uh, she has actually won the popular vote by over a million, almost two million votes. So people did show up, but not enough. And the Electoral College arranged yeah. it right. such that those two million votes, really, they didn't count at all. So Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a tough time, but I think you know we're we're in this together. There's there's lots lots of concerns in in Germany and Europe. There's lots of concerns um, in the NATO. Um, uh, you know, I think is is this is this a you know one-off situation, if you like, over the last few decades, where somebody that really didn't have any political position all of a sudden is president of, of one of the most powerful countries of the world. And everyone just goes like, okay, what, what, what's this foreign policy really? <laughs> the, right. we, we don't know what's coming our way, right? And we've been you know, very, very loyal um, allies to, to the US um, in Europe um, and in Germany for a very long time and for very good reasons. And now we're just like, okay, no, no idea what's happening. Let's just figure out, right? What is... Yes. It, you guys have a chancellor still, is that? Yes, correct. And Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, yeah. yeah. She's the only European who has thus far really expressed uh, distress over Trump. Everyone else has basically taken a a wary but welcoming stance, hoping that they can work out relations. Um, and well, as far as like public speeches go, she has yes. been she has been fairly um fairly clear that this is uh an unstable and scary situation so i feel like germany right. of all the countries in europe has perhaps the uh the most guarded stance right now and and i kind of appreciate that because we, we have owe a very it to our history <laughs> yeah yeah Yes. We owe we owe it to our history, I guess. Yeah. I feel like all the other countries in Europe that were, you know, eventually uh, attempted as the Reich moved through Europe, 
I feel like they should be at least as wary, but we haven't heard much from Poland, etc. yet. But, you know, I mean, Poland also has a uh, right-wingish um, government, right? So I think they're a little more, hmm, yeah. uh, you know, re- uh, relaxed, maybe the wrong word. But at the end of the day, right, this is power at its best. I mean, you know, a lot of people that uh, were uh, opponents of, of, of Mr. Trump during during his rally, even in the Republican Party, all of a sudden seem to make be making peace with him, right? I'm still wow. curious what, what what's coming out of that conversation with Romney uh, that he uh, <laughs> if had. You look, if you look at our politics, though, Republicans fall in line. They yeah. they they march to the same beat, and they're very good at um, voting in unison. So mm. if the Republican Party, which now has right. all three branches of government, and well, will once the legislative, uh, once the Supreme Court nominations go through, they'll own all three branches and they will vote in line and they will be able to do whatever they want. But anyway, okay. I, thank you for the political <laughs> perspective. I was very curious <laughs> yeah, about that. Sure. <laughs> uh, Sven, you, you write about productivity, or you have, and Terry Ubercast. I, I uh, yeah. it it encompasses productivity to some extent. What kind of right. stuff do you guys talk about in that arena? Yes, yeah, so I guess when we met, or I guess you know, Andreas, both as uh, also Patrick, and, and my ties go back to the good old personal productivity days. So as uh, Simplicity Bliss, I've been you know writing a lot about OmniFocus uh, a few years ago. Um, still, you know, some of these posts uh, remain popular. With folks, I I dug a lot into into that personal productivity uh, thing, and you know we had all sorts of discussions about life hacks and geekery, and you know how can you automate this and how can you make uh, automate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now life have taken a slightly different di- a direction. I think is 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 that maturity is that your uh, you know your so certain things become. Um, sort of habits rather than things that you need to force yourself to do. So I think we all three got a lot more relaxed about productivity. Um, I think we've now configured systems in a way that they work for us, not systems that we strictly adhere to, which sometimes is is really good, right? I mean, if if I need to adapt a new habit or if I want to change my eating habits, I need a very strict plan. That's sort of the person I am. I can, it's not enough for me to say like, all right, let's eat a little more healthy. Or let's eat a little less. Now, I need a very clear plan that says, okay, you're going to eat 32 grams of this <laughs> at 12 o'clock, right? So, and and I think that was also sort of where we came from, from a personal productivity uh, perspective, where, where we're all sort of, you know, worshipping the GTD um, religion, if you like, and, you know, all the omnifocus of things or whatever it was at the time. And then you started to sort of habitualize some of this, and hence, your system got a lot more relaxed, um, and and the sole purpose of you know productivity for the sake of produ- uh, productivity really went away, and we're now back to sort of looking at creative, meaningful work rather than you know fuzzing about our system. And that's, I guess, Andreas also all the conversations on the Ubercast sort of evolved over the uh, the couple of years that we're doing it now. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, do you, Andreas, do you uh, do you subscribe to the strict plan of exactly how much food you're going to eat? That kind of thing. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems like something that would work for one person and not another. Right. So I think um, what, we, what we should keep in mind is that one thing that works for one person doesn't necessarily have to work for another person. And I think that's one of the topics or one of the points that, that Sven actually made is through our conversations on the podcast, we are telling ourselves like how we started from one, let's say, just starting point, yeah? And go from there to our finished thing that we are now using. So with productivity, it was very strict. You have to do this and you have to follow that and you have to organize this in context here and project there and folder and whatever. And so after, I don't know, years of doing this, we've, we've kind of grown into uh, our own workflow where we are not dictated or adhered to that system anymore, but kind of mel melted it or, or melted it, it into our own workflow. Like Patrick, for instance, he's been going off digital and into like writing. He's, he's, he's carrying a book around where he's taking notes and that kind of stuff. Something that wouldn't work for me at all <laughs> because I'm all digital. And so um, there are many other things as well. Like, uh, I don't know, we or some things uh, that always keeps uh, coming up is like things like Evernote or how do you take notes? Uh, and, and, and Sven, I think, is still using Evernote, for example, and I'm currently using Google Keep. Okay. So, and so, so your system, your system kind of adapts over time. And I would say relaxing right. is actually a good word. It, you, yeah. you stop adhering yeah. to someone else's strict plan and realize what works for you. Right. But... And, and think, it also, it, it, it ha you know, you build, you build habits, really. So, you know, just going back off the sort of analogy of, of eating more healthy, and I, I know, uh, you know, Brad, that's, that's also a subject uh, for yourself, obviously. Um, for me, personally, it starts with like, okay, you know, here's your dietary plan, and it says exactly, you know, what's the sort of dish that you eat at that day for lunch or for the evening. And I need to do this for a certain period of time, until my sort of brain ticks in, or I don't know if, if it's even the brain, but it's, at, at some stage, you know, my buddy understands what eating healthy actually means. So you, you, you develop a new relationship to food. And then you can, you can drop that very, very strict plan because you now understood and your body understood what that means. It's less is this type of food, what have you. And I think the same goes for productivity systems. You start with a very strict plan, right? You need your XYZ contacts and you need these lists and the project is that and blah, 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 blah in this type of folder. And at some stage, you know, when you've done this, I've done GTD now for, I don't know, 15 years or whatever. I mean, I just grown out of it and some of it just sticks. I don't need context anymore because I organize tasks automatically um, uh, from a context perspective after so many years of practicing it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm but, less about the but plan. My, yeah. But my point would be that you need to have a starting point. So giving the rules and, and setting a kind of box to start from is mm -hmm. important to have to come to that kind of thing. Like I think when I just uh, heard you say 
um, like you don't need contexts anymore. You're doing it automatically. It's like it's kind of, you know, you you still do contexts in a, in a way, but you're not writing them out anymore because, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's kind of second nature. I have at this always point. said that you have to know the rules well before you can effectively break them. That's true. That's yes, very good. That is yeah. true. Um, I feel that all innovation is a matter of breaking rules, but if you don't know the rules, then you're just shooting randomly. Right. It's the same thing with, with design and, and video and, mm -hmm. and audio. You have to know the, the, the rule set. To know, okay, I can. If what what happens if I bend this rule just a little bit, and so it's also like uh, like you're you're doing you're recording music too. Yeah, don't you? I do all of that. Every creative pursuit requires some kind of grid that you have to understand before you can work outside of it. Yes, right. And but you got also got to develop. And this is a very in, in interesting way of viewing it. Is you got to develop a, a a drive that that you know that 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 really gets you to leave your comfort zone because you know once you understood the rules very easy to just stick with them right i mean if if you look at musical compositions if you look uh you know video aesthetics uh, graphic design um you can choose to just go with what's there right now um and you'll be fine i guess um Or you can say, all right, you know, this is very interesting. I know what's there right now, and I, I master what is there right now. What happens if I do something else? I think that's actually, you know, accepting a bit of risk, because this could go wrong as well. Um, so, you know, back to the, the subject, uh, subject of innovation, your failure needs to be an option. If you're trying out something new, it, could, it, it can go horribly wrong. And I think that that is true for other parts of life as well, right? If you start messing about your the way you're organizing yourself or the way you schedule your day, um, you know, good things can come out of this, but this can also be a major failure. So I think there's a lot of people that just settle with, you know, whatever is there and they just keep this until the end of the day, their days, whether it's how they play or record music or whether it's how they schedule their day or organize their tasks. So I think is that personality? I guess so. So do you guys apply this concept to your podcast? <laughs> And sort of disrupting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I actually like about our podcast is that we usually don't always agree on each other. So um, we started, or let me, say, let me say it like this. Right now, we, the way our, our podcast, our episodes are structured is that we have kind of a introduction, follow-up kind of uh, round going on yeah. uh, with news and that kind of stuff. And then we have three main topics usually or two main topics that either Sven or Patrick and I bring to the, to the episode And then we talk about that kind of thing, like uh, productivity, for example. Or recently, we've, we talked about uh, Raspberry Pi. And so what, what, what I like about our podcast is that when I bring my Raspberry Pi and Sven asks, what, what are you using it for? I'm like, yeah, this is what I would be doing with it. And this is what I would be doing it. Uh, this is what I would be doing with it. And he's like, 
that's not at all I would be using it for. And Patrick is going a totally different route uh, too. So we kind of have three different opinions, but we also kind of share so, uh, some commonalities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had healthy disagreements, uh, disagreements all the way long. Yeah, particularly Andreas <laughs> is very, very, very critical, very critical guy. I, I am, I am, I am critical of the things I use because when I want to use something, I want to love it, and that's why I'm critical. You know, Steve Jobs was a pretty critical guy, and he made some pretty amazing things. So I feel like that kind of team actually ends up being very productive. Someone that can criticize everything. Because, you know, out of love, of course. And then people who are just willing to throw out ideas, willing to fail, like it all comes together. I feel like all of those are integral parts of success. Um, I've had a few guests on recently that are all in the podcasting sphere. Uh, Elsie Escobar and uh, Aaron Mankey from Lore. And people that are, you know, working heavily in the podcast area and we've talked in the past about you know what makes a good podcast what's the future of podcasting so what would you guys add mm. to that conversation i think do you want to say something or yeah no let me let me have a go, let me have a go at that so Again, you know, you got to look at uh, maturity of, of, of different markets. Um, and I think in Germany, there's still some development that we need to go through that the uh, U.S. podcasts have largely done already. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, there's there's some very um, professional produced podcasts out there in the, uh, in the U.S. that have more the format of a conversation, of a, of, of a talk show interview, um, like what you're running here with Systematic. Um, but you also have these narrated podcasts and, and those that have a lot more... Um, in journalistic preparation to it, right? I mean, you yeah. write a script, you do a lot of background research. So I guess if you want to professionalize the media, this this is where you're going with it. This this is really where you're going. It doesn't the, the format doesn't matter. It doesn't need, need to be a narration, but I think the professionalizing it because if you look at the Ubercast um, for all three of us, it's 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 clearly a hobby, right? I mean, I I have a um, I have a management position in a very large corporation uh, that, you know, 95% of my time goes there. And then with the remaining 4%, I just bought a house and renovating that. So, you know, wh what's left, right? So I wish what's that What's left really is 1%. Awesome. Are you putting 1% into your podcast? Well, if I'm honest, that's pr pretty much sort of what it comes it comes down to um, at my end. Luckily, I have uh, two more devoted partners that do all the productions, uh, <laughs> that you know, run all the uh, the notes, uh, the sh uh, the show notes, and, and the likes. And we also just get on every two weeks, so that that relaxes the whole situation yeah. a little bit. But that that's current reality, right? So if you want to professionalize that. Um, you got to bring that dedication from a time and effort perspective, but also the market needs to be mature enough to actually take on such a podcast. Um, you know, we're still struggling with sponsorships in, um, in, in, in Germany, to be quite frank. It's not particularly common to sponsor uh, podcasts. So it's a very, very early days. Andreas, would you agree? Yes, I would totally agree with that. But uh, if you look at the numbers in Germany, like IRD and ZDF, those those are the two um, two of the bigger or 
public media oh, houses. Like yeah. yeah, governmental uh, media houses in Germany. And they have uh, published or they publish um, like um, statistics about listener uh, listener quotas and, and how many people listen to radio on the Internet. How many people they have a statistic for people who listen to podcasts. Uh, they have statistics for video. And if you look at the numbers, um, I don't know about you guys, but I have I have had that feeling like two or three years ago that podcast podcasting wasn't wasn't going anywhere. It was kind of going in, in more in a horizontal line, but not going upwards. A plateau, right? yes. And yes, plateau. And you can can see that in the statistics as well. And that's kind of fascinating because we we also have that in Germany too. And so. Um, I think what what we're going to see in Germany as well the next couple of years um, is that the whole podcasting is kind of going the professional route, hopefully. Um, so we 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 gotta have like um, podcasting networks like five by five, but the German version of that. Um, we're going to have more sponsors, sponsors, sponsorship uh, opportunities, and um, we, and we 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 already have a, a good community in podcasting. We have like some of the, the the podcasts that we have in Germany have been working on on standardizing podcasting, right? Like like um, level leveling podcasts. Nobody has ever talked about leveling podcasts what kind of volume should podcasts have when we play them on the internet right and so that kind of thing is coming out of germany and and i think next couple of years we're going to see um video i think is still going to be popular because if you look at the 90s 80s 70s uh like television has been a highly popular media and i think it's not going away but podcasting is probably at least that's how it looks like uh going to replace radio oh for sure yeah because yeah the older older folks still like to listen to to radio shows but well most they in in the u.s most of our radio has moved to podcast anyway most people hear mm. like npr shows via podcast than they do actually listening to the radio. I think I think the sure. the major radio uh broadcast companies have seen that as well. They they know that podcasts are the future. Right. And I think that's also a very inter interesting observation, right? You move away from a <clears throat> linear um programmatic approach um to broadcasting to to a non non-linear very selective um uh, program if if that's even the right word for it's it true. so i think it's very it's very interesting to see and very interesting i guess to follow um for us in in, in terms of how the the media landscape in the us for example is changing as a consequence 
Um, in Germany, the linear um, program is still um, both in television and, and radio still sort of pretty much the the, the mainstream. Um, although we see see clear uh, disruption there coming uh, coming as well to Andreas's point, but again, I think to our earlier point, right? The 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 <laughs> sort of tying back to you know breaking, disrupting yourself, to, uh, breaking the rules. Um, it, it is a very mm. bold move if if you you know imagine you're a you know a program director in in a radio station and you you've done that for the last two decades uh, and now you face this disruption of the industry are you going to be the one that says no no hang on I'm just going to hang on to the stuff that I know right we're going to run that program linear style that's what it is sure. um, and I'll wait until I you know retire whatever or are you going to go you know um, sort of in the offense and say okay yeah we want to be the first who's that, who are actually going to do this and I think it's just you know beyond just economical um, elements and social elements I think it's very interesting to see in, in these sort of scenarios how people deal with change how adaptive they are um, you know I find this fascinating yeah and and it's not like um certain media doesn't struggle with moving to, to digital. Like I follow because it's my job to know this kind of stuff. Um, I also follow traditional television media on YouTube and there's uh, uh, one show called um, Galileo uh, and it's also it's a television show, but it's all, they also have a YouTube channel. And their YouTube channel is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really one of my worst examples when I give a, t a presentation. I'm like, yeah, this is not how you do digital. Um, and they do reruns on YouTube of the same content. Like, who needs that? And they, they have... It. Wait, know. so they, re they republish content on YouTube that's already on YouTube or that was elsewhere? No, that they aired yeah, they, a, that they aired on television. No, 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 so. no, 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 no. Not even that. They republish. It's it's like uh, Brett was saying. They republish stuff they already published on YouTube. That's oh ridiculous. So it's this. It's super <laughs> stupid. And the pe the folks in the co in the in the comments are like, "Hey, we've seen that like 2 months ago. Why do you keep uploading the same video again?" That's a it's a valid question. And it's mm. it gets uh, thousands of downvotes obviously, and they don't get it. Yeah, maybe they just got a <laughs> maybe they just got a new apprentice and it's just re-uploading everything. Probably whatever Probably. no i think and as this is one of the you know bigger popular science shows and on, on german television actually very very popular uh so that that's uh that's pretty pathetic to be to be honest <laughs> I, I didn't know that but you know the yeah. andreas is the big video star um youtuber yeah. on on our team so he's following that stuff a lot more than <laughs> i am so <laughs> all right thank you but on on the other hand um like uh, when I when when I when I give talks and and I want to give an example of a good, well produced uh, corporate channel, I always name Cisco. So that's a great company. I've heard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, so I, I do work for Cisco. I actually have nothing to do with what we do on on social media on YouTube. So very glad to hear um, that that seems to be uh, top quality. But yeah, so that's where like the ninety five percent of my time go to Brett. But 
when we talked uh, a little <laughs> earlier, I, w I was intrigued, right? I think we all, um, in some way or form, care a lot about uh, you know exercising, eating healthy, uh, losing weight. I'm just you know really going at it again, uh, a lot more focused than I than I used uh, used to for the last few weeks. I f f fall off the, the bandwagon a little bit, just keeping not keeping the discipline up. So I'm you know curious if I can learn something from the two of you that helps me sort of. Uh, you know, establishing my regime um, in, in terms of exercising more, uh, more focused exercising and also eating more healthy. So uh, I'm just going to collect a few tips here, I guess, um, <laughs> from you guys. Did, did you just lead the interview? No, I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will but I say, was so curious hearing that uh, earlier, so um, <laughs> I, I just had to come back to it. I will say that for me, I have always at least since I gave up working in offices, I have always done what I feel like, uh, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. given my personality type, that is often dangerous. Um, the things I feel like doing are <laughs> usually self-destructive, but uh, over the last year, year and a half now, I've had to really um, be conscious of what, I choose to do and mm -hmm. somehow like mm -hmm. I walking every day gave me a, um, a, 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 a tangible benefit. Like I felt hmm. better. I was able to think more clearly despite having medications taken away from me. Um, I was able yeah. to achieve goals that were immediately satisfying and that just right. led to, for me, starting to jog, starting to run, uh, wanting to do it every day. Every time my brain gets frizzle, frazzled, uh, hectic, mm -hmm. I just I want to go for a run. And right now, that is right. working extremely well for me. I've gone from 240 pounds to 195 pounds. And wow. Yeah. I've I've seen the posts on on Facebook. It's it's great to watch that. I kind honestly of, don't uh, know how to translate that into kilograms, but it's a lot. No, I. It's, <laughs> you can see it on the pictures, right? Yeah, my and face I think has that's changed. All that matters, and that is that's positive yeah, reinforcement. So I do it, but as far as like defining a regime, I couldn't possibly. I don't know. I just do what my body wants now, and oh, I I cool. go for it. That's that's kind of interesting so because you just you just hit on two different points for me so one thing is like users did you say you do what you kind of feel like and that doesn't work at all for me <laughs> like i'm 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 also um hyperactive i don't have an attention deficit though so uh i I went to a, actually, I went to a psychologist. Um, what's it called? Yeah, it's a psychologist, right? Well, there's psychologists, which would be like talk therapy and diagnosis, but psychiatrists yeah. are the ones with the medication. Ah, yes, gotcha. So not with the medication. So it's psychologist then, just then. And he ran me through a couple of tests to test whether I have an attention deficit 
and um, I don't have an attention deficit. I'm just really, really fast. <laughs> so so what so, does that mean as far as behavior? What is just being hyperactive but with good attention? What kind of behavior does that create? So I'm going down rabbit holes and when I'm when I'm doing that, I'm going down very, very quickly. <laughs> and um, what's what it feels like is um, I have a really hard time sitting still. Like I don't know, you can see it here on the on the on the video. I have have a really hard time like just sitting at one spot for ten minutes or so. Like meditating was really, really, really hard yeah, when I started there. it. <laughs> <laughs> and so But but do um, you, but you meditate now? Are you able to? Um well, yes, um, I, the same guy who, who tested me for, for attention deficit um, also mm, like guided me to a way to work with my uh, hyperactivity in a way that I don't need medication. And so one of the things was um, meditation, basically. And it's not actually meditation, it's um, progressive muscle relaxation. Sure. Have you yeah. heard that term? Okay. So he taught me a, a little exercise that just takes about 15 to 20 minutes. And he said, well, studies have shown this works really well for people of your kind. And I'm like, sure. And he was like, no, try it. Please try it just one every day for like a week or so. Just try it. And so I did that and, and he was, and what, what actually convinced me doing it was he, he, he measured my heartbeat before the exercise and after the exercise. And my heartbeat went really down in, in that 20 minutes. And so I was like, okay, fine, let's try it. And after three months or so, I really felt uh, more calm. I had less diverting thoughts. Like, you don't need to check on YouTube now. You don't need to open Twitter, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just just because of those fifteen minutes sitting still and and basically not trying. People, people uh, to, told to, me to for two years, two years of people telling mm. me you should try meditation. People would send me links. They would send me audio like guidelines, uh, even free subscriptions mm. to mindfulness programs and i just mm. i was i had the hyperactivity i didn't i didn't believe i could sit still i didn't believe i could disconnect right. for you know even 15 minutes but after two years i finally broke and and tried it and yeah i've had much the same results what about you Stan? Right. yeah yeah, so I guess uh, sort of coming back, and that was why I was so curious and, and sort of uh, you know asked the the, the question. Um, see, what, what I I'm a type of guy, and maybe that's me being very German. Um, I need a plan, right? So, <laughs> so I I really, I mean, I'm I'm really I do envy you guys, but just saying, you know, I'm just sort of listening to my body and what's good for my body. I'm, I'm doing what's what's good for it, right? And 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 I I think that. I would love to get there, um, to be honest. But I right now I need a plan, whether it's exercising, 
whether it's um, you know nutrition or um, yeah mindfulness. Um, although that's something I'm less focused on right now. Maybe that's uh, wrong or right. It just well you know doesn't feel like that is that is something that I need to pay attention uh, to at the moment. I feel sort of very balanced from that perspective. Um, you know, luckily also not, neither affected from uh, attention deficit nor from a hyperactivity. Um, but when I when I when I engage on on a you know trying to 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 lose weight right and I'm not super sized but I'm you know overweight I can do with a little less I just I just can't go and say right all right let's see sort of what's just eat what's good for you because I do have these um, uh, very simple um, situations um, that 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 do challenge me. If there's you know a bar, a chocolate bar in front of me, you go like, well, yeah, you know, if you just have one piece of it, that's that should be fine, or oh, whatever, you know, <laughs> have it, and then you can really start tomorrow, and and you can be really, you know, you, you're gonna be really looking at that more closely tomorrow. So uh, that's where I need a plan because then my my anchor basically is the plan going back. No, 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 you're it's not on the plan. You're not supposed to eat this right now. I'll stick to the plan right so that that's right. really how how it works for me at least in the beginning and i think then when you swing into something um and and mm. you you develop a more conscious and healthy relationship to um you know, exercising or to eating uh, then i think um you, know, you probably you can drop the plan at some stage but in the beginning i just really mm. need this but actually the, the promise of these uh, meditation and mindfulness activities is that when you do meditate for a certain period of time, you start to develop a closer relationship with your body and you s start hearing your body more. Mm -hmm. And so basically one thing goes in hand with the other. So you, gotta ha you, you have to plan and you stick to it and then you hear your body saying, no, but I don't care. I just eat that chocolate bar right now because yeah. that's... Right. So, so here's the interesting thing that happened to me. I, I've always eaten, at least in the last you know, 15 years of my life, I've always eaten pretty healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. I, did, I did enjoy ice cream, chocolate, things like that. Um, and then I get into cooking. As, part of, as I uh, got into exercise and as I got more mindful i began wanting to spend time just cooking and it wasn't about right. my health it was about right it was I, I enjoyed the chemistry i enjoyed finding like how to make certain tastes certain flavors how to cause reactions with food and in the process i started not intentionally but i started removing sugar from my diet and mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't something I thought about, but then one day faced with uh, a candy bar. It, I think it was a uh, Heath bar. Um, I didn't want it. Like it didn't mm. uh, suddenly like the thing that would have always been impossible to resist before. I realized like, I don't want mm. that because I'd started to recognize I had removed enough extra stuff from my, my, my intake that I knew exactly how sugar affected me. And mm -hmm. so I, like, I, I don't cut sugar out completely. I create a lot of simple sugars by, you know, 
<laughs> heating up onions, for example, like caramelizing right. things. Yeah. You you make sweet food, but now that food tastes better to me than any kind of refined sugar. And and I think that's the point. the The point is um, is is probably not so much about the sugar, um, because I think I, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? I mean, there's um, the difference between a industrial, you know, made chocolate bar, mm -hmm. right? You can name any brand you want. Mm -hmm. Don't want to, you know, pick out one in particular. And then you go into a, you know, high, you know, top of market chocolatery that really, you know, do the stuff with the best ingredients they use a lot less sugar because actually some of their ingredients are so good that you just know like this is how this is supposed to taste yeah and <laughs> i'm just not interested in your industrial you know pre-processed whatever convenient food that just gives me that sugar that's kick true. but that's probably all it has right there's no no taste um, itself to so it you, i think you end up paying that's more. a good point you pay more for yeah. a, an artisan truffle than you yes. do for a snicker bar but right one truffle that's like a huge dessert for you once you get used to that instead of because uh, you eat a sure. Snickers bar and you want more mm. sugar when you're done, exactly. you, you want more sticker bars. But like once you get used to like dark chocolate, well-made mm -hmm. truffles with good ingredients and no added sugar, mm. all of a sudden that's all you need. One truffle, you're done. That's kind of amazing. And you're after the, you're after the taste right. kick, not the sugar kick. Yeah. Right. You want this explosion in your mouth rather than the uh, <laughs> the sugar <laughs> quality versus sure. quantity i like that yeah <clears throat> but actually also um what i couldn't eat or uh, drink rather is coffee like i'm coming back to the, the the hyperactive sure topic i when i drink coffee i'm totally nervous i get like i hurt myself on on the fingers i get bloody fingers after two or three from weeks what? and so i from just being so nervous wow like adding adding to my uh higher energy level even more kind of energy makes myself go being really really nervous and i kind of i don't know it it ends in my in my fingertips right and so i can't drink coffee that's basically what it boils down to and so uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of coffee, but I drink tea, like black tea, green tea, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but what, uh, what, what is it? I always thought you like black tea had more caffeine than actually coffee. Is that not it, true? It can yes, but, if you brew it long but, enough. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know what it is, to be honest with you, but when I drink... Um, caffeine like from a coke or from from coffee <clears throat> it makes me more nervous not not the, the 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 actual day that i drink it but after drinking it like a, uh, once every day after a week or so i start getting really really itchy. cumulative effect and yeah. um, yes and so uh, i don't have that with uh, with do tea. you uh sweeten your tea no okay yeah, because sugar actually increases uh, the the absorption of both caffeine and alcohol into the system. Um, so if you oh, have a drink around here, we had uh, four loco. If you have a drink that has both sugar, alcohol, and then add caffeine to it, 
you get a synergistic effect that you get drunker off the right. same amount of alcohol than you would, or you'll get more buzzed off the same amount of caffeine than you would if you separated the sugar out of it. Fun I, stuff. I definitely knew. I definitely knew that one were the alcohol and sugar, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. No, which is also very, very, very dangerous, right? I mean, I I have two kids. So actually, uh, my oldest is twelve. Um, so definitely not yet. You know, anything with alcohol. But I remember sort of uh, a few years back we had those uh, in german they were called alcohol pop drinks um so you oh, had yeah. you had like vodka um with you know a very 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 sugary lemonade type of thing mixed right yeah. and that's what they sold at all the parties mm -hmm. and, and all the you know 15 14 year olds um legally you're allowed to get this when you're uh, sort of 16 um in in germany because it has relatively low amount of alcohol per bottle but because it's so damn sweet, they just drink like 10 of them per night, right? And all of a sudden, right. uh, you know, you find some teenagers with some, you know, significant alcoholic problems because the sugar just made it so easy for them. Are you familiar with Red Bull? Mm -hmm. Of course. Just next door, uh, Austria is where, where it comes from. <laughs> vodka, yeah. vodka Red Bull became a very popular drink here for that reason. It tasted yeah. sweet. You didn't even taste the amount of vodka yes. you were drinking. And it... it amplified the effects of it um yeah i started drinking when i was 12 that got ugly but uh yeah <laughs> watch out <laughs> yeah so vodka red bull was my standard drink when i was sort of you know late late teens early uh, early 20 uh, and in that sort of time range i was very active in the nightlife <laughs> scene and that was vodka red bull all all day all all night um essentially but uh funnily enough um, I think I had so much of it that if I, if I just smell Red Bull today, um, and and we have this sort, of, it, 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 it smells like gummy beers um, in in a way, like like the sweet stuff. Yeah. It, I just like, oh no way, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna have it even just uh, even without vodka or anything else, and it's like I I can't just I can't smell it even more. Yeah, that's funny. Anymore, yeah. I never yeah. could I never like could handle bar. the smell of Red Bull. <laughs> uh, yet you you did drink right. it i have but yeah. not regularly <laughs> so all right we're we're at a point where we would usually do our top three picks you guys want to do top three picks sure sure so these go back and forth you guys can have up to six but at least three between the two of you you get to start you guys can argue amongst yourselves Who's going to make the first pick? But go for it. Andreas always has Sven. nice ones. <laughs> All right. No, no, okay. I, I don't. I I'll, I'll go. I'll go first then to make make that easy. So I, you know, we also do picks on uh, on our uh, podcast uh, uh, every time. So I'm I'm just gonna actually roll with some of those uh, that we usually usually take that have nothing to do with technology, um, which I, I find typically very very refreshing. Um, so the first one, and you know, since you're into cooking, um, um, you definitely you know care about how sharp your knives are, yes. right? And and there's there's so many different ways of how you can try to make a knife uh, sharp. And I'm I'm big into cooking as well for many many years, and I've I've tried about everything out there in in terms of getting my my knife sharp. And I just don't have the the span of attention to stand there with like a 
um, you know, sharpening stone and make sure I hit the right angle and <laughs> do it like uh, for 15 minutes. So I got myself a tool that's called the WorkSharp Knife and Tool Sharpener, um, which you can get off uh, Amazon. I just checked is available in the US and <laughs> very... Uh, you know, very distressed right now, but it actually cost half of what I paid for it <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a great tool. It's just it's an electric sharpener, so you have um, you know a sharpening band running over a triangle, and then you have sort of pre um, predetermined molds where you put your knife and you, you you cut it through, so it has exactly the same uh, the right angle every single time you do this. And you just, you know, you, you get it through there two or three times each of the sides. So 30 seconds later, you have a goddamn sharp knife. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm I'm actually recommending uh, the workshop knife and tool sharpener. It's about $70 from what I can see yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, that's so what that's I'm saying. pick number one here. Yeah. That sounds kind of amazing. Cool. I'm, I'm into that. I buy really good knives and I have an electric knife sharpener. It is apparently ineffective. Once once they get dull, <laughs> I will run them through the sharpener. It'll it'll rip them up a little bit. You know, I'll see like the changes it made, but they never seem sharp again. Not the way they were when they mm. were new. I I would be happy right. to to spend some money on something that would keep my knives good. Yeah, so good good experience here. Um, you know, I'm sort of typically in the mid-range in, in terms of knives. I, I typically go with a global brand. Um, not sure you guys know this in the U.S. And, you know, a good cook, they say, actually just needs uh, one or two knives. So typically have the, the large cook knife, and I can do about everything with it, uh, with a very few exceptions. Um, so if you can, if you need to cut um, meat off bones, it's not as effective. But whether I need to, uh, you know, cut 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 an onion or um, cut a, a steak into two pieces, it's always the same knife. Um, but you know, for those, it works actually quite well, and I'm I'm pretty ha- happy with that sharpener. Nice. All right. I just looked up um, the uh, global knives as well. These look good. I need some. They're really well, really well balanced. And the one thing that they have, or which they actually don't have, which most other knives have, that really uh, winds me up every time, is um, at the end of the. Wow, now we're getting even to my limitations of vocabulary. But at the end of the sharp piece of the knife, right? Uh, most knives have a little stop um, uh, at at the end. Yeah. Um, where the global ones actually don't. And, and, and I can't cut if there's a little thing that stops sort of the movement right at the end. Um, and, and the global ones are actually... And, and they're also, you know, re- reasonably priced, so I guess. You're talking so. about at the, the hilt, like the base of the knife right above your hand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that m- most most knives that I know have a little stop thing mm-hmm. that I think... It's meant to prevent whatever the food touching your hand yeah, like or a, the a uh, cross guard. Yeah, a cross guard, and and they don't mm. have that, and that just makes it so much easier for me to work with them. Yeah, quite honestly, I, maybe maybe it's just me. But. No, that looks really good. All right, yeah. uh, uh, Andreas, did you want to okay. do your own three picks, or are you guys going to alternate? I think I'm. Good. I have prepared three All right, picks. Well, now, so. do one right now. Sure, uh, I'm talking about sharp things i got a little razor here uh it's a typical andreas pick by the way (laughs) 
Um, it's this is a called uh, Future from Merker, a German company who makes um, razors, uh, and scissors, and that kind of stuff, and also knives. Um, they have this uh, double edge razor from called Future. Um, it's an adjustable razor. It takes the old double edge blades yeah. you know from your granddad <laughs> and yeah and the good thing about these this one is um as i said it's an adjustable so you can uh, adjust the um the gap that is between the blade and uh, what's yeah. called the guard i think and and this one is a little bit more expensive it is also a little bit heavier than the other double edge razors that i have but this one is really really well made and therefore um should be uh, available in every man's uh, bathroom. So I I have video right now, and I see that you have a beard. Do you do you shave yes. the sides? What what are you shaving? Right now, I don't <laughs> shave a whole lot because it's November. Oh, November. November. And right. November. Yes, true. And I want and I also want to change up things a little bit. So every three or four months or so. I change my beard just a little bit. <laughs> Reinvent yourself. And yes, exactly. <laughs> and I and I just like beards that look a little bit, that look very ordinary when you look at them very briefly. But then when you look at them a little bit more uh, detailed, you s start to see like, oh, he's he's shaved this kind of thing with, and then this, and then he made this, and that's just kind of uh, the beards that I like. And so uh, the future is one that shaves large areas really, really well. But if you're going into detailed uh, stuff, I would recommend another razor. All right. Wow. Yeah, I, um, I, don't, I shave the bottom of my neck just so I don't look like a, <laughs> a computer geek too much. Yeah. Anyway. Works okay. well. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So my first pick is going to be, I, I, I do technology. I don't know if I can, actually I could, I have a book I would recommend if we're on the cooking thing. Um, I just got the deluxe food lovers companion and it is a book that it's like a dictionary of food. It, if you can look up, because I've been doing a lot of recipes from Yoram Adelengi, and he, mm -hmm. a lot of the words he uses for food are different than I would understand. I can't even remember what he called eggplant, um, but I only knew it as eggplant. He used another word. I finally figured out what the recipe was about using the internet, but the Food Lover's Companion... Uh, and then I got the deluxe version because, hey, why not? Um, the Food Lover's <laughs> sure. Companion lets you look up a word that you saw in a recipe, like an ingredient you saw in a recipe, and will tell you all about it, including uh, other names for it, plus potential substitutes for it. You know, if you live in a... I live in a small town in the middle of the country, so a lot of things that would be available on the coasts are not available to me. Uh, it helps me figure out what I can still f still create the recipe with. 
uh, it's it's quite good. Uh, you can buy it for like uh, twenty bucks hardcover on Amazon. It's it's a handy tool to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just looking at it actually is one of the, those where the the uh, the Kindle version is a lot more expensive than yeah, the hardcover. Anyway, why is that? I I don't know, but that's I mean that's maybe also the only books I still get hardcovers, cookbooks, right? right. I mean that's just you you need that physical <laughs> right. thing. And I was just thinking when you talked about it, uh, the eggplant stuff it was probably aubergine, um, yes. which is sort of the alternative name yes. for eggplant. That is that um, is exactly, exactly. yes. Yeah. Now this sounds really good. I, I need to look into that. That's that's a cool one. All right, so we'll go back to Sven uh, number two. That's. That's number two for me. I'll uh, keep it with stuff that's available in the U.S. and that I bought. <laughs> so there's a company um, that's called This Is Ground. Um, they do sort of upmarket leather goods. Um, and we all, you know, next to sort of loving our technology, we love all our bags and, and stuff that you you, 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 ca- you carry your technology around with. And uh, I travel a lot. And uh, I have a lot of cables and power plugs and whatnot to, uh, to take with me. And I like to be organized as well, so that's the German side. So I have bought the Tech Dop Kit uh, from This Is Ground. Um, it's available in three different sizes. I think I have the small one. I don't have so many dongles. That may change with the new MacBook Pro, though. Then I'll need a, the, the <laughs> mid-sized <laughs> Tech Dop Kit for all, all the dongles. Um, but it's really well made, high quality leather. It r- just feels right, and and when you get that product, you also know this this is gonna be just even more awesome after 15 years or how long you use it, because I- as the leather ages and and you know gets softer and and, and takes all the patina to it, um, it's mm. a fantastic product. It's uh, not particularly cheap though. Um, I think it goes like well, this the grand goes for about 200. Um, no, that's pounds actually. Um, I show the mini as one thirty in U.S. dollars. Yes, uh, two hundred yeah, for the regular. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's not cheap, but it's really you know if if you're um, you know making a purchase and and you're pretty sure you can use that for the next ten fifteen years. This this is super high quality. You have a little bit of organization, so you can. You know, have have a few uh, things where you can put the the cables into and whatnot. So it's um, highly recommended if if you travel a lot, if you like to be a little bit organized, and you still like to have a quality bag, not so, some nylon stuff. <laughs> um, you know, go with the uh, mm. tech dop kit from This Is Ground. If you do want the nylon stuff, have you seen the Cocoon backpacks from? Well, Cocoon. <laughs> I think that's actually the. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Um, they have a front flap, and underneath it has this crisscross of elastic bands ah, covering yeah, the whole thing. Stuff. And you can kind of yeah, yeah. you can stick cables and wrapped uh, cords and adapters and dongles in any way that works for you. That one I've actually found really. I have one behind me in this office. Um, it's been really good for airline travel because when I'm sitting in an airline seat and I don't want to be digging through a big bag, that one I can basically open the front flap, lay it down, and see exactly what I need and then have a place to put it back. Granted, it is nylon. It's not beautiful. It's not fun to touch. But that one works for me too. And those are like 70 bucks. Yeah, I had a small version of it. 
cocoon grid it i think it's called if you just get sort of the grid where you can put the uh cables into it but it was i i didn't get a get along with this 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 rubber band style <laughs> stuff uh, it's too complicated for me but i i can see how this works for people so i uh, definitely great stuff. that's that whole german thing right gotta have the nice leather I'd, it got to be nice leather, exactly. <laughs> sharp knife and sharp knife and nice leather. Oh, there you go. Wow, that's, that's sexy. Oh. All right. So, <laughs> oh god. So my second pick is also a book. Um, it's called Born to Run. Um, I started uh, reading this book just recently. It's basically about. Um, it's called. Uh, it's it's. Um, its its subtitle is a hidden tribe super athletes and the greatest race the world has ever has never seen uh, it's about a tribe called the tarahumara indians um, living near mexico and they are natural runners so uh, the 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 author christopher mcdougall dougall yeah uh, is telling the story of that tribe and also um, giving background information how running evolved over the last 10 or so years to what we have right now. Um, he's also talking a lot about, um, what's it called? Uh, super, super running? I think they are called super runs. Um, basically just running for a really, really, really long time. Ultra. Um, ultra marathons. <laughs> no, 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 no. They have a. They. It's that's not. It's called ultra runner. Oh, yeah. So. Um, Is what I'm saying. It's it's kind of a. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> You're always right. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, he's also uh, like I'm. 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 I'm not, I haven't finished the, that book yet, but I'm at a point where he's kind of also talking about like natural running where you, like the five fingers or the five yeah i think they're called five fingers the the the, the yeah the shoes with the five um, yeah. toes separate right and and that studies have shown that the older a shoe a running shoe is the better it is for your whole body to run with that shoe that, like there's one guy who just switched around running shoes when they got old just to see what happens. And he found out that nothing did happen. Actually, he ran better. And so that kind of thing started that, that entire um, well, he put, uh, natural he, he, he running. He put the left one to, on, on the left shoe on the right foot oh. yes, and nothing happened. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he—he, he, I think what he what he writes in the book is well, the first couple of times when you run with the shoes the other way around, is it kind of feels weird, but then when once you get started uh, used to it, it's kind of How nice. How bored do you have to be to decide <laughs> to run with your right shoe on your left foot? I don't know, but. <laughs> This rem I mean, reminds me of this late 90s um, band, Criss Cross. Um, <laughs> sure. Oh my Warm God. it up, Chris. Showing your age. Exactly. <laughs> I missed the bus. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I swear so, someone very it's, recently it's a, mentioned that book. I need, I need to maybe check that out 
I, I, I am just yeah. now, it's, it's, I, I was in the, the track team in high school, but then my appendix ruptured and they gave me an automatic oh. letter, like a uh, letter jacket thing. And, uh, and I never mm-hmm. ran again after that until now. So yeah, right. I, I should, I should be reading. I mean, it's, it's a really good book. It's, it's told in story form. Uh, so maybe you should be critical about some things you hear in that book. So coming back to the critical thing, but I really like like reading that book because it's. I'm critical of everything. It's yeah, all right. I get you. Okay, sounds good. All right, so my second pick is going to be a little device called the Rock Rock. It's a Bluetooth transmitter and receiver that I can. I, I recently, so I've been doing yoga lately, um, a lot of yoga, and I noticed that to change the music, if it was a class that had music, they would always have to walk to the back of the room into the where the stereo was kept and make changes, and I, I wanted them to be able to just control it from their mat with their phone. It, it annoys me that you know someone would have to walk across an entire yoga studio just to turn the volume up or down. <laughs> So, so I fixed it and I, I gave them my rock rock and it lets you set it to either transmit or receive mode. In this case, set it to receive mode. And from anywhere in the studio now, the instructor can connect their phone straight into the stereo over Bluetooth and, uh, and then control, you know, what's playing, what volume without leaving their yoga mat. Uh, you can also set it to transmit, so you could hook it up to a device that didn't have Bluetooth. I don't know, like an old Sony Walkman, maybe. And you could make that into a Bluetooth player that would send to a pair of Bluetooth speakers. And it it's 20 bucks. It's maybe 30 bucks, but hmm. it works really well. I'd only used it for me in like small rooms just to make things Bluetooth that weren't Bluetooth before. But now it's 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 in use at the studio, and it's working, as far as I know, flawlessly. Every class I've been to, it's been flawless. And multiple instructors, you can pair multiple phones at once to it. I haven't tried that yet, but it's cool. So does does it send? Uh, what kind of signal does it send? It's Bluetooth. I mean, what else can you use it? it, it, it just audio, just really. Blue, audio over Bluetooth. Right. Oh, yeah. Cool. And it's a it's a I strong little Bluetooth a thing, of uses for and that. a charge on it will last yeah. a couple of days. So I mean, you can leave it plugged in near the stereo, but you can also have it, you know, charge it for a couple hours, and it'll last a couple of days. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh? You could actually hook it up to a car stereo through an auxiliary input, and then yeah. play Bluetooth through your car stereo. Although cool. that was the first thing I did to my, my, the last car I bought was get rid of the six disc CD changer and just put in a Bluetooth only <laughs> stereo. Yeah. All cool. right. So back around. Cool. So yeah, my, my last one I'm going to take a little, a little risk with because it might be, you know, everyone's going, Oh, that's old news. Come on. You guys from Germany, you have no idea. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to recommend a, a movie. Um, it's called Whiplash. Um, Whiplash is a absolutely must see if you love jazz music. 
Um, or drums. Whiplash is... Or drums, exactly. It's about a young drummer um, that, that goes into a, a musical school, uh, wants to become a very famous uh, jazz uh, drummer. And he runs into this completely weirdo um, teacher that runs the, the big band, uh, the number one, um, one band of that musical. It's actually played by J.K. Simmons mm. and incredible. I mean, the way he plays that role is just, you know, breathtaking. Um, yeah, and then they, they, they come into a very unhealthy love-hate uh, love relationship as he sort of grooms him to be the number one drummer in that band. And there's so much to learn about life and, and about music and about jazz in particular. Um, it's quite, you know, in, in Germany, this never made it to the movie, so it came straight out on, you know, online or on, on Blu-ray or whatever. Um, so you had to find it. You actually had to find it, come across it, and then say, let's have a look at this. But actually, to me, it's one of, one of my top favorite mu mu movies I've, I've ever seen. I'm sure you can get it for relatively cheap um, on iTunes, so you can get it for free on, on Netflix or um, Amazon Prime Video, whatever you guys uh, you know have. Um, it is already, I think, a few sort of a year or a couple of years old, so should be no problems to get your hands um, on it. Um, yeah, it's from 2015, so about a year old. Um, but it's just you know a breathtaking um, um, movie, a lot of emotions, great music. Um, yeah, this is gonna be some well spent time if you watch that one. I would agree with that. I just saw it a couple months ago, finally, after everyone was talking about it. I watched it. It was good. It was good. I don't even like jazz. I okay. like drums though. I like drummers. Yeah. <laughs> I like drums too, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm very I'm varied about jazz. I like big band jazz. It's really well played melodic big band jazz. I do love and that's actually what they mainly play here. It's very it's even sort of a little bit R and B ish at, at at some stage, but if it goes like really weird jazz, Free jazz. like you know, imp Free jazz, like I, I mean, you, you can't, you can't give me enough vodka Red Bull to to, to survive the evening with free jazz. Yeah. Fusion jazz. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I love, I love big band. I love Dixie. I love swing. I love even uh, getting into like Coltrane and and yeah. Uh, um, okay, so I, I just ran out of names. Um, but no, that like that's all fun to me. But once you get into the experimental jazz and free jazz, I'm I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. But but this isn't that. This is good. This is fun. All right, Andreas, number three. Okay, number three. Uh, this is my nerdiest pick uh, today. It's actually two apps um, because one really doesn't work well if you don't have the other it's called x2cc um, so it's an app available from the mac app store it's a mac app and it basically uh, allows people who are using final cut pro 10 to transfer projects to adobe creative cloud and it does that by translating the final cut pro xml into an xml format the, the Premiere and, and other apps understand, basically. And the way to go back from uh, Premiere to Final Cut Pro 10 would be sent to X. And it, we've tried it in the production, and it obviously you're going to lose a lot of stuff, but 
you can, for instance, prepare a project and use the advantages and, and certain really unique and good features of one app and one platform and transfer that to the other platform where, where you're going to do the edit, for instance. And so in production, um, this has helped us a really, uh, really, really uh, well, because um, I can prepare like multicam clips in Final Cut Pro 10, sync them immediately, something where premier users are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, yeah, that's like uh, 15 years old, that technique. And they're like, what? I don't get it. And like, sure, whatever. <laughs> you just take that XML, import it into Premiere, and everything is fine. So this, okay? is, a, this is a common problem <laughs> and, for people that work with, in video, like <clears throat> wanting to have the best of both platforms? Um, it is one problem. <laughs> We have, we have, surely we have multiple problems. I think it's the same thing with, with audio too. We have, we don't have a common industrial standard open format. And so, but XML is human readable and that's what programmers do. They human read whatever the, the program spits out and they use it to transfer it to, to other platforms and they just make it work. And X2CC is one of those apps where, where I'm like, thanks. It basically saves me. So there's another way that you can do it. Like going from Final Cut Pro 10, you can load up the free version of DaVinci Resolve, load the Final Cut Pro XML, export another XML, and hope that Premiere is going to read it. But that's just not going to work in, in real production. You know? <laughs> All right. It's, just <laughs> yeah so that's a nerdy pick for sure all right yeah uh my last pick I've, I've realized recently that i don't talk enough about my own app um uh so i i make an app called mark 2 and it is a markdown previewer but it goes into like um all kinds of advanced writing tools and IA Writer 4 just came out, and the big feature is transclusion, being able to insert other text documents into the one you're working on, insert images, things like that. Mm. And it made me realize, I kind of need to point out that Mark has been able to do that for a long time using either multi-markdown syntax or Mark's own syntax. You can insert code files, you can insert text files, you can insert raw HTML from external files. Mm -hmm. You can also do it in LeanPub format. You can do it in, like you can create books with uh, multi-markdowns, uh, include formats. Uh, it works with Scrivener. It works with iThoughts. It has features like auto-scrolling for reviewing documents, uh, document analysis, keyword highlighting, uh, showing you which words you use too often based on uh, like Porter mm -hmm. stemming algorithms so that things like withhold and withheld both show up as repeated words. Um, it, it's basically been specifically designed to do all this stuff and I don't publicize it enough. So when other apps come out that, that uh, rip off its features, they get all the publicity <laughs> because I don't mention it. So I'm mentioning Mark two as my third pick 
it's a it's a marketing right. it's a marketing scheme, but it's uh, entirely big fan, valid. Big fan. It's 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 a yeah. great app though. I mean, um, it's what what you didn't mention is it can also preview yeah. fountain files. When I'm doing video scripts, I'm typically using fountain, and and using the the aforementioned um, things like repetition, like showing repetitions and that kind of thing, just shows when you're writing a script, um, because the scripts I'm doing in English, and so uh, it it kind of shows uh, more easily where I need to focus my 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 writing on, and so Mark is uh, just a I appreciate that. It also has spelling and grammar checking, and it can detect per paragraph what language the paragraph is in. So it'll give you grammar correction, even if you're working in a non-native language. That one's fun. That one's one's an in-app purchase. You have to pay extra for that. I'll send you a coupon. I I bought all your in-app purchases immediately. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, big fans. I think we're all, all three, also Patrick, um, using it ever since it came out, um, and certainly as, as Mark too as well. Maybe not all the advanced features um, that you've built in over time, but you know it's worthwhile, and you should be talking more about it. It's, it's a fantastic piece of software. I should because people, I always mention, oh, Mark can do that, and people have no idea. Like they own the app, but they have no idea what all it can do because I'm constantly adding like. Features that I don't want to put in the front because they'll just distract people who don't need them. So they're all mm-hmm. like kind of mm-hmm. like hidden features. They're documented. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I need mm-hmm. to do better marketing. So, all right, that's that's nine picks. I think we're good there. Um, sure. So let's talk about where you can be found. Uh, you've got dareubercast.com. Der- I don't know. I don't know German. I tr- I I pirated a Rosetta Stone pack for German. I really want to learn German, but um, I am not good at, we'll say, uh, learning without doing. Rosetta Stone was the closest mm. I got, but I I don't know. So how do you how do you pronounce? Is it der der? Well, yeah. <clears throat> if if you say it really German, it's going to be der Überkast. Der Überkast. Yeah, um, but we actually uh, intentionally pronounce it a little bit sort of, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> so it's going to be dareubercast dot uh, com. Yeah, that's that's where you can find us. Um, also at dareubercast um, on Twitter, in case you wish uh, to exchange some uh, German with us, um, we're we're uh, you know happy to pick that up on on Twitter. Excellent. Anywhere else you want to mention, you can link anything you want to here. Oh my freaking god! No, I uh, I think uh, <laughs> for me it's just my Twitter handle at Simplicity uh, Bliss. Um, so you'll find everything else just if you kind of dig around Twitter and the stuff that I I've done and do there um, today. And Andreas, I am uh, I am Z on on almost any platform. That's uh, Z uh, Zeppelin E and then a triple T. Uh, and I'm like, I'm called that way on Instagram, Twitter, almost anywhere. And as as when said, we are also on Twitter with our podcast. And you can also write us in English. <laughs> of course you can. No, you can't. <laughs> we're not, take, we're not <laughs> taking can't. English queries. No, you, <laughs> you just be ignored. Um, 
it's funny because I, I have actually known you guys for a long time by your Twitter handles. This is the first time we've really met, I guess. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, we I we I, bumped I, into each other many, many years ago, Brad, in, in San Francisco. I can't remember when that was. I was at the OmniFocus uh, event. <sighs> they, they had this little event yep. there. Yep. Uh, but I think it was already late night when we bumped into into each other. So I, and that was I think on the Smile Software party, something. <laughs> so I I absolutely you know did not expect you to remember that because it was very very late and there might be some you know Red Bull vodka stuff involved. I appreciate well. your forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. I have I have a horrible memory for those uh, for parties. <laughs> Or events where I meet multiple people in a night, I just tend to forget everybody. So thank you for forgiving me for that. No problem at all. All right. And for people who haven't heard yet, there is now a systematic chat room, uh, a Slack team that you can join, interact. There are random conversations going on. There are systematic relation related conversations going on. And then plenty of private messaging with both guests and and listeners so if you go to sign up s-i-g-n-u-p dot systemcast dot net and systemcast is s-y-s-t-m-c-a-s-t i know this is all very confusing but um sign up dot systemcast dot net you'll you'll be able to get yourself an invite into the slack team you can also follow systemcast on twitter s-y-m s-y-s-t-m-c-a-s-t and uh, and then I'm Brett Terpstra. I'm at brettterpstra.com and TT Scoff everywhere else. Everywhere. So, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Tell Thanks Patrick we us. missed him. <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. And uh, and that was episode 178 with Andreas and Sven from Der Ubercast. And we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.